Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Hello. I'm Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Ballantyne, the other one of your co-hosts. I'm still running with the joke of different languages. Today it was just English? Yeah, because Singapore is bilingual. English and Malay. I didn't know that. Yeah, there you mm. go. The more you know. I learned something about Singapore today. <laughs> Aren't you just a regular kakuin? Hey man, I may be a servant to someone, but it sure as hell ain't Dio. Today we watched episode 8 of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, part 3, Stardust Crusaders, entitled Devil. Wasn't it THE Devil? Sure. <laughs> it's this needless accuracy that makes me prized on this show. Cover chapters 133 through 136 of the manga. Average size. Average size. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good episode. Yeah, I really enjoy this one. It's, uh, it's just, it's basically spends the first couple of minutes setting out the concept and the rest is just... Some pretty cool, constrained circumstance action. Good logic the whole way through. And that's it. That's the whole episode is just out-logicking people. Is it, is it though? Well, more or less. The way that he beats him, you have to remember from before what he does. And then... But yeah. I think this is also probably one of the earlier and better versions of that circumstance I've described to you in previous episodes a mm. fair bit. Wherein... The stand user creates the exact circumstances in which they are a threat. Mm. And in this case, that being getting beaten up by Polar. <laughs> <laughs> I've chucked you under the bed. Well, that's a shame. We start off in Singapore. Oh man, lovely Singapore. And there's a police officer shouting at Polar for littering. What? He's like, it's illegal to litter here. We're going to fine you 500 Singapore dollars. See, I was really confused because I thought they just didn't understand the concept of littering. But they were just like, oh man. 500 Singaporean dollars, that's like 40,000 yen. Hmm. But what is littering? Yeah, what? Is that trash that they're talking about? I like how the police officer's like, 500 Singapore dollars. Because, you know, when I go to the store and I want to buy something, the clerk is like, yep, that'll be 20 Australian dollars. (laughs) To be fair, if I was ever working in retail, that's exactly how I'd talk to people. Be like, excuse me, that'll be 20 Australian dollars. 20 of your Earth dollars. (laughs) Apparently, yeah, they say that's about 40,000 yen. Mm-hmm. And uh, in contemporary terms, that's 350 US dollars or 460 Australian dollars. Damn. Brutal. Substantial fine. Yeah. So, Singapore, Singaporean dollar and Australian dollar are actually pretty close to each other. Yeah. Well, sort of. $40 difference on, on this. But what is a $40 difference, really? $400 to me. <laughs> I don't know how money works. <laughs> I understand basic addition, but not subtraction. Eventually the camera pans down and it's just Polnareff's sort of duffel bag that he's been keeping his stuff in. And he's like, hey, are you calling my luggage trash, man? And he puts his hand on the police officer's shoulder in a really threatening manner. And to be fair, Polnareff is what, 30, maybe 40 feet tall? Yeah. Uh, hella buff. 100 feet wide. His pecs are in full view. And he's uh, just getting up on this guy's face and the guy's like, I'm so sorry, sir. Please don't murder me. (laughs) Although, to be fair, now that I'm thinking about it, when you come across a French man, an Egyptian, two Japanese students and an American, you kind of think, hmm, I don't want you to litter. But as soon as one of them touches you, you're like, okay, you know what? Fuck this. Yeah. Fuck all of this. (laughs) I'm out of here. (laughs) You guys Uh, are buff motherfuckers. Everyone kind of laughs at Polner for a bit, but... Cut to especially Anne, who's also still there and is laughing really hard. And then she sees them notice her and just like stops laughing. And is like, hmm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool and don't need to laugh. Yeah, I can go wherever the hell, the hell I want. I'm not following you. I don't listen to Linkin Park. I listen to like cool new wave music. She rants for a bit about how like 
it's five days until she can meet her father, but she doesn't need anyone. And then she looks at them with vulnerable eyes. <laughs> oh, man. This is character development, if ever I saw it. <laughs> and then this amazing bit happens where Joseph is like, okay, she's just a child and she clearly doesn't have any money. Let's uh, let's pay for a hotel room. Polnareff, tell her we'll do that, but don't hurt her pride. Polnareff just walks up and goes, hey, you're poor. We'll pay for your room, yeah? She's like, okay, all right, <laughs> sure. So they go to this, this luxurious hotel. It is quite luxurious, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's got a big old mermaid dragon lion statue at the front. It's got a water fountain nearby. There's a receptionist. <laughs> These are all things luxurious hotels have. Patrons. There are many patrons. Yep. Do we ever get a name for the hotel? No. Ooh. And in fact, there are many, many patrons because as the receptionist says, they're a bit busy right now, so they won't be able to get adjacent rooms. Mm. And so they have to go in four or three separate rooms right yeah. now. Abdul and Joseph are together, obviously. Because BFFs. Yeah, they love each other. It's the best. Kakuin and Jojo, because they're students. Uh-huh. Makes perfect sense to me. Yep. <laughs> you said something about how that line launched like a thousand fanfics. Because <laughs> they're just like, oh, yes, we'll have to go together because we're students. And then every single fanfic in existence was made. Do you know Clamp, the Japanese ladies manga group? No. Uh, but that is a terrible name, or terrible acronym, rather. They did a Jojo Dojin, Dujin, you know, fan comic oh, sort yeah, of thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, about Kakyoin suddenly laying an egg, and then it eventually hatches into his and Jotaro's son. <gasps> Clamp, listen, if you're <laughs> listening to this right now. I think he laid the egg. The line of dialogue that's become a bit mimetic is, Kakyoin, did you lay this egg? <laughs> I'm not saying that is stupid, but keep doing what you're doing, alright? You're onto something gold here. Yes, that's weird. <laughs> so he just lays an egg in this fanfic. I think that... it sort of manifests like a stand. Oh, right. So Herophant Green and Star Platinum just go off into a different room, <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know. Well, then you have the egg in your inventory for a bit, and you yeah. have to carry it around for so many paces, then it hatches, and I then was... you have a new stand for your Pokédex. Well, I was just thinking, like... Stork White would come down, like, bring the egg to you, and then it would just appear there, you know? And then be like, Kakuin, did you lay That's this how egg? babies are made. Yeah. Stork White comes down. Yep. And then you're left with, I don't know, child whatever colour you want. Baby Blue. Baby Blue. There it is. You're left with Baby Blue from Stork White. <laughs> yep. So that leaves uh, Anne and Polnareff to share a room, but she's like, uh, no... Yeah, no, that uh, I'm a young lady with standards. Buy me my own hotel room. <laughs> I am. How old? 12 or something? We don't know. I deserve better than this. I mean, yeah, they're like, fair enough, you know, she is a child, but she's also a lady, so let's give her her own room. Yep. Polnareff, you get your own room. And Polnareff's like, great, I'm going to go relax. I can have a goddamn shower. Yeah. Oh, their room numbers are 912, 1010, 1122, and 1212. Yep. And the only two we see this episode are 912, because that's Polnareff's. Yep. Well, we also, we, in like one shot, we see um, Kakuin and Joe's Jotaro's Oh, too. yeah, true. But most of the action takes place in 912, and then a, a couple of cutaways to Joseph and Avdol. Yep. And they're in room like 1010 or something. Sure. Or 1212. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't matter, honestly. Look! Look! <laughs> They're all like, let's meet up later, but for now, let's all go hang out in our rooms and relax. So they try that, 
Oh, and there's a bit moment where they all have like a manly laugh at Paul and Ref wanting to go. Oh yeah, wanting that's to go right. shower or whatever. It's like a really manly laugh with like. <laughs> Every apart from when all the fighting starts, everyone's just having kind of a good time in this episode. Yeah, like they were laughing at Paul and Ref over the police officer, and now they're all like sort of celebrating about having an opportunity to relax. Although to be fair, Jotaro just kind of looks like he's having as much fun as ever. In that he's not having any fun. He's just <laughs> standing there like, yep, I'm in a room. I don't want to be here. Or maybe he does want to be here, but again, he just can't. Yeah. He just doesn't know how to emote. I love transparency. <laughs> <laughs> these, these glass doors are amazing. The only thing that I love more than transparent glass doors is how transparent my emotions are. <laughs> Everyone can read them. Everyone's just like, uh, Jodoro, you are a massive idiot. Just <laughs> pointing that out there for you. I looked up Polnareff's thing, uh, his page like that, to see <gasps> if he had anything, any yeah. similarly stupid details on it. Mm. It wasn't wasn't as funny. The only oh. thing that caught my eye was that his favourite movie is The Bad News Bears, which oh. is one of those baseball underdog movies. Oh, interesting. Mm. And he's a bit of an underdog. Is he, though? Well, I mean, you know, he's missing a sister. <laughs> you know, he's missing that important connection in his life, so... You know, he's sort of an underdog. He's experienced loss. Exactly. Not JPEG. Exactly. He's lost before and is therefore the underdog. As soon as Polnareff opens his the door to his room, we know something's off because it does that sort of shaky cam sort of thing. With a lot of CG. And you're like, ooh, ooh, I don't, yeah. I don't trust this. It's kind of dark in there. He immediately scopes out the room. He looks in the bathroom. Maybe he's checking for assailants. Maybe he's just checking out his cool hotel room. I just thought he was like, ah, yes, this is my room. Because here. the atmospherics would imply that he's, like, making sure it's safe. Mm. But I also check out the whole hotel room as soon yeah. as I get in there. Because Pretty much. it's like, cool, I've got this hotel room. And then he opens the the cupboard that has the mini bar in it and turns the face away from it. And he's like, so you guys aren't going to give us any opportunities to rest, huh? He's sort of, like, near the glass door. Yeah. Near the balcony. And then... <gasps> Out from the fridge. The fridge door opens and a man crawls out. <laughs> yep. You learned. I did. I did at last. Yes. I haven't actually learned the song yet, but who knows? Maybe one day. We I'll must learn. remember to discuss the lyrics like next episode too. Yes. We haven't done that yet. We're true. We haven't. And we need to do a dramatic reading. Otherwise people will shout at us. Oh, yes, well, we've got plenty reading. of time for that. Do we? It's Yeah. It's there for the whole first like 24 episodes. Oh my God. Okay. Yep. That's fine. That's great. Okay. You observed during our Watch of the OP today that mm-hmm. um you like how in all the bits where they're showing off how cool their stands are, Joseph is like really trying. He's trying <laughs> so hard. Like there's one bit particularly where I noticed it where everyone's sort of like using their stands. So Polnareff is like stabbing, Herophant Green is like shooting, Star Platinum is punching mm-hmm. and he's there like, okay, I'm going to jump away and use my thing like a like a, a vine or something to swing on um i'm i'm doing things trust yep. me bye guys <laughs> so that's the op that's the op it's just joseph trying and a lot of guitar this guy crawls out of the fridge <laughs> he's got scars all over his face he looks fucked up polnareff is like huh such sharp killing intent why don't you let me know your name before i polnareff kill you you gotta give him like Props for his confidence. He is gallant. Yeah, he is very yeah. gallant. So this guy's name, subtitled as Soul Sacrifice, but that's a copyright change, oh. and his name in the original uh, was Devo the Cursed. Devo the Cursed. Yeah. 
Need we say anything about Devo? Well, they're an American rock band Relax. formed in 1973. Relax, don't do it. Go forward. Move ahead. <laughs> Try to detect it. It's not too late. Oh no, what have I started? They have these power cones that they wear. Oh my god. Hey, um, do you reckon they like whip it often? Or I have an important question, Nick. Oh god, okay, yep. Are we not men? Uh, I can't remember which song that's from. Uh, Jocko Homo. He goes, are we not men? We are Devo. Oh. And I was reading about that song just after my research for this episode last night. Hmm. And apparently they went to... A perform- they were opening for a performer called something like Sun Ra, who I'm not familiar with. Sun Ra, yeah. okay. I think that was like a... I, based on the context of the story, I want to assume that some sort of 70s hippie performer. Because they decided, <laughs> well, okay, we're performing for all these hippies. Let's play Jocko Homo for half an hour until they make us stop. And they just started, kept shouting, are we not men? We are Devo. <laughs> Oh, wow. That is fantastic. Yeah. So what you're saying is they know how to kill a performance. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as per Araki's suggestion, when they had to localise the um, the manga back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, they renamed him to Soul Sacrifice, which is a reference to the song of the same name by Santana. Ah, uh, that's why I recognise it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's a good song. So, do you know anything about the song? I don't. I don't. Soul Sacrifice? Yeah. Uh, well, I know it's by Santana and therefore has a lot of guitar. Okay. And it's probably pretty laid back because it's Santana. Uh, and Santana's all like, yeah, how you going? In all of his songs. Mm-hmm. So, yep. All right. That's all I would know. <laughs> so this guy, he's refreshingly straightforward in his his approach because he's like, hey, I'm Self-Sacrifice, a.k.a. Devo the Cursed, and my stand that represents... Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I am the devil. Uh, After the last two episodes of... Not knowing the anything. La- or the last two users just hiding their identities. It's refreshing. Even if it is a, a massive ploy. It's a risk, you mm. know, just saying who you are so that they know who you are and can therefore identify every weakness that you have. It's a risk. <laughs> but one that could pay off in dividends. My stand suggests the card The Devil, uh, which invokes curses, dark manipulations, deteriorating mental health, and an inauspicious path of ruin and downfall. Good word, inauspicious. Mm. Yeah, good. Uh, I've got the Jojo Valet note about uh, Ebony Devil here. Hit me with it. The idea came from Chucky in Child's Play, among horror movies. Did it uh, just? Other, uh, among other horror movies. The design of the doll is based off an African shaman. I went with the distinctive primal design. Distinctive primal design. Fair to say. Does that fit in with the devil? Distinctively primal? Because he does sort of have that air of, like, primality to him. I don't know. Run in, get hit, I will avenge you. Don't know it. Go away. <laughs> Turn into a doll. <laughs> Distinctly primal. Tarot time. Okay. What is the devil? It suggests experiencing bondage, focusing on the material, mm-hmm. staying in ignorance, and feeling hopeless. When you say bondage, do you mean like bonds between people or bonds? I mean like feeling trapped or oh, constrained. Like literal bonds. Yeah. Gotcha. It's opposed by the fool, signifying having faith and uh, or believing, mm-hmm. and the star, which suggests faith or optimism, uh-huh. and it is not reinforced by any of the major arcana. And as per LearnTarot.com, in <laughs> readings, traditionally the devil stands for evil, but it does not have this rather frightening meaning in a reading. This card lets you know that you are caught in an unhealthy, unproductive situation. You may be in the dark about something, ignorant of the truth and its implications, you may be obsessed by a person, idea, substance, or pattern that you know is bad for you. Brackets. Or maybe you don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. Sometimes this card reflects back the neg negativity that has made you doubt yourself and your future. The devil lets us know when they are serious enough to require attention. When you see the devil, examine your assumptions carefully. Make sure you are not working from a false picture of yourself and the situation. Hold fast to the highest vision of who you are. I can't help but hear it in a southern accent. Or like a preacher. Oh yeah. When you see the devil. <laughs> when you see the devil, know who you are. Have you seen that Whitest Kids You Know sketch? Um, okay, no. there's this, there's this, they have like a four part sketch called their opus. Okay. Uh, in which first a guy climbs Mount Everest with his uh, Sherpa Tanzig Norgay. Mm. But then it's revealed that it's not Tanzig Norgay. It's Rex Bosworth, international jewel thief. Okay. Rex Bosworth, international jewel thief, takes a picture of him with his balls on, out on Mount Everest. And, uh, yeah, casual. And is going to uh, distribute it in his uh, quarterly magazine, Diamond Thieves Quarterly, unless he goes to hell and steals the world's largest diamond from the devil. So then he goes to hell and the de he meets the devil and the devil just keeps going. You see, people like you probably think that the devil lies on a, a wakeboard in the middle of a paddling pool writing poetry. People like you probably think the devil drives up and down the country in a truck writing wrongs and so on. <laughs> okay. Is that why it takes four parts? Because it's just him being like... That's basically the entirety of that one sketch there. <laughs> Wow. And then at the end, he returns the diamond, and it turns out he wasn't a bad guy. He was the greatest guy, because when he stole that diamond from the devil, all the devil's power was contained in that diamond, <laughs> and now all evil will drain from the world. That that sounds about right for the wise kids you know, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is, that, this is my l new segment, Liam Recounts Why There's Kids You Know Sketches. <laughs> <laughs> it's soon going to expand into... what? Uh, what's the really old, like, 90s one that had... Um... It's like Mr. Big or something, or Mr. House or something. Mr. Something. Mr. Show. Mr. Show, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, you're going to start recounting them as well. Yeah, they did some good episodes on the devil. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, this podcast. <laughs> hey man, we're expanding our uh, horizons. Base. You know, the more people we bring in, the more jokes we have to make about different topics. Devo is like, how did you know I was in the fridge? And Polnareff grabs him and is almost like judoing him around the room. And is like, look, you took everything out of the fridge and just left it on top of the fridge. I know that, like, littering is bad now. <laughs> Do you? He learned an important lesson from that police officer. <laughs> Devo manifests Ebony Devil, which appears like a shadowy apparition behind him. Do we actually get another shot of Ebony Devil? Or we don't just get, this... like, a good look at it, but mm. we just see, like, wispy yeah. manifestations. Like a big devil Because thing. immediately, Polareff calls out Silver Chariot and just stabs him in the face a lot. <laughs> and uh, beats him down. Yeah, he stabs him, puts one of his eyes out, stabs him through the tongue, and also just some other facial stabs. Uh, yeah. And we get a shot of... Uh, a very important shot that you may not notice in your first mm. viewing because... They're pretty obviously indicating what's going to happen in this episode, I think. Yeah. But you may miss it. Uh, where we see a shot of the shadow of that barely manifested stand mm. falling by the doll. Oh, interesting. Mm. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Rewarding the eager viewer. <laughs> so yeah, Polnareff is like, that ape was a much more powerful stand user than you. I mean, he was. Yeah, you gotta give, give him credit where he's due. Yeah. He just wasn't tougher than Jotaro. Yeah. So then Devil appears to kind of come back to life-ish? Uh, Devo. Devo comes back to life. Yeah, well, he, well, he wasn't dead. He was just 
hurt a lot. He's he just, just he stabs like... around the room a lot, uh, talking about how he's in pain and he really hates Polar F for this, and, and this will make him really angry and that'll and work his, really well. Yeah, his death will be avenged, basically. Yeah. So he's laughing, he's basically crying, and he staggers backwards. And he says, I let you find me and attack me on purpose, Polnareff. And then he falls over the balcony and we hear a bang. But then Polnareff rushes, rushes the balcony and we let's see a body. Ooh. And... Cleverly disguise you on. <laughs> as he's looking over the balcony, we see, like, low, shaky cam rushing towards his foot. <gasps> and a huge chunk is just ripped out of his ankle. But where did the attack come from? He, he didn't see anyone attack him. No. He didn't feel anyone attack him. Which that doesn't really make sense, does it? I mean, he just did have a giant gash yeah. in his, like, what, ankle? Yeah. So he's like, this is a little concerning. I should call Joseph. <laughs> so uh, he goes and sits on the bed, starts tying up his foot or ankle. Yeah, with, like, a curtain or a bed sheet, I guess. Piece of cloth, yeah. more or less. And uh, he's like, yo, Joseph, what up? Something bad is going on. Because, hey, yo, Joseph, what up? Oh, wait, you're Avdol? <laughs> That's such an unnecessary detail, and I just love that they included it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I got attacked by this stand user called Devo. I can't tell if he's strong or weak, but he's creepy. Uh, anyway, he ran away. Don't let your guard down. I, and as he's yep. talking, we see the camera pans down to below the bed as the the doll that was sitting on Polnareff's bedside table is laying under the bed holding a razor. Ooh, ooh, maybe. real Toy Story situation. <laughs> There's a snake in your boot. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> it would have been good if he just he just waited until Polnareff went to bed and then filled his boots with snakes, <laughs> deadly snakes, or you know, cut his head off. Yeah, one of the two. I love how casually everyone else takes this whole situation. Even yeah. Polarif. Yeah, Polarif is like, alright, I'll just all right, you know. I'm going to call room service and get some bandages and some medicine. And everyone's like, hey, okay, we'll meet in Joseph's room in like five minutes. Go to the guy who's under threat. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Because then he's he's going to be more under threat. Because Abdul has heard of Devo before and knows that he provokes people to attack him and then uses that rage to control his stand to kill them. So it appears to people like... Just stay like, calm. Like a curse has killed them. Yeah. Which I, I think I get shades of like, obviously there's the Chucky illusion mm-hmm. in the doll that attacks Polnareff, but I also get shades of particularly sort of Japanese style horror movies like The Ring or The Grudge, mm. in which you have invoked this curse upon you somehow, either by entering that house or however The Grudge works or by watching that mm. videotape in The Ring. Yeah, it's kind of like... And it's going to kill you. Yeah, it's like, um, there's a movie called Pulse, I think, where it's like based on your mood, you'll just disappear. That's weird. Yeah, it's basically just like, if you get depressed, you turn into a shadow, which is terrifying because everyone's like, but maybe we're all alone. It's like, don't, don't think like that. (laughs) And then you just turn to a shadow and you're like, fuck, now I'm alone. (laughs) What if we're all alone and then you turn to a shadow? It's terrifying. Yeah, maybe I have to see it. I don't really get it from your description. Yeah, it's a weird film. It's really weird, but it's really good. Pulse. (laughs) Joseph calls Joseph, uh, Kakuin and Jotaro and they're like, okay, we'll come up. And then they swing by Anne's room and like, hey, don't leave your room. Shit's going down. <laughs> don't open the door to anyone. Bye. Don't be excitable. Just sit tight. So people might die. Mm. Just sit tight. Back in Polnareff's room, he's like, oh, I can't find my room key. <laughs> so inconvenient. I can't get back in without a room key. Maybe I... they'll find me for it. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, here, it must have fallen under the bed in all the chaos. No! So he, he crawls under the bed, and just as he grabs the key, 
we hear footsteps running around the bed and a rope snares each of his hands and pulls him spread eagle against the underside of the bed. No! And then the shadow of that puppet from his bedside table looms over him and squirts shampoo in his eyes. What a cunning attack. (laughs) It's almost as though anyone could have done it at any point (laughs) in time. There's a bit more like that. Uh, Then room service arrives. Oh, no, before room service arrives. uh, The saw. Yeah, he grabs a saw out from behind... Something. This I fucking love this bit because it's just like he's been planning this day for centuries. <laughs> but I also Pulls get, out sword. get the impression that based on that shot with the stand earlier, that the devil could basically enter any appropriate avatar on the scene. Hmm. Like it, it doesn't specifically have to be this puppet. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Because otherwise, the stand would just be the puppet. Well, that's what I was thinking: is that he knows where they're gonna be, so he planted an appropriate exactly yeah. thing there. Yeah. And so then... He's the one who booked out all the other rooms. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah, um, he saws all... He saws the front leg... Well, the, at Two least, of the four yeah, legs. The ones the that are furthest away from where you, your head would be. Yeah. So that Polnareff is like strapped head down to the floor. But not crushed. Yeah. Almost, but not crushed. And the music here, I think I thought almost suggested the psycho theme a bit. Did it? Yeah, it's the impression I got. It had that sort of dun dun, but it was much lower. Oh, oh Okay. And also with more instruments behind it. Yeah. It's not just that violin. So yeah, then room service arrives. Terrible timing. And the guy's like, hey, Mr. Polnareff, I brought your stuff. Leave or you'll die. Wait, what's going on here? Let, me, let said, me come in. I said leave or you'll die. And he steps over the threshold. And then he dies. Well, we see his shadow <laughs> silhouetted mm-hmm. in the doorframe. Oh, this bit. And then over his shoulder... We see the silhouette of the puppet. <gasps> Clucky. Hol- <laughs> Charles. <laughs> Charles. We see Charles looming over him ominously. <laughs> and he's holding a razor blade. <gasps> and then we see... This is gross, but also really cool. Mm. We see the room service guy die from his own perspective mm. as his face is cut off vertically over Danny's head. So dope. So we see, like... His vision pitches forward a bit and then blood just trickles down over... Everything. Yeah. And then uh, his face falls off. Yeah, and then he's dead. And then he falls into the ground and blood pulls And then... The greatest shot of this entire episode. The puppet slams the door shut with a do not disturb sign on it. No one can leave. No No one one can can save you now, Polar. (laughs) No one can hear you scream if the do not disturb (laughs) sign is on. It's the social convention. How can they enter? They can't. No housekeeping, no people. It's, it's the perfect plan. Jotaro and Kakyoin would come to save him and be like, oh, he put the Do Not Disturb sign up. He must be fine. <laughs> Perhaps he's found himself a, young, a lovely young lady. Oh, no. At this point, Polnareff hears more running around and stuff and we get our first good look at our puppet assailant. He looks weird. He's got a big, real, he's got one bloodshot eye. He's got one good eye. So he's got that going yeah, for him. Which I guess reflects the wounds he sustained before. Yep. And his mouth is interesting. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, it's kind of like a predator mouth, but a vortex of teeth. Yeah, it's like two lines of teeth in his throat, but they're like... Spinning fangs. around. They're, they're like fangs, yeah. not just teeth. Yeah, they're like incisors. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like a sarlacc pit in his mouth. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And they're kind of like going yeah, one direction yeah. and then another one's going another direction. Just to freak you out even more. He's like, I'll kill you for stabbing out one of my eyes, Polnareff. 
And Polymorph's like, oh yeah, Silver Chariot appears on top of the bed. But turns out Silver Chariot can't see things that Polymorph can't see. Ooh, rules. Yeah. Interesting. Whereas Charleston can. Ah, Charleston, sneaky. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously Charles could because the episode would make no sense yeah. if he couldn't. <laughs> He's just want bumping into things and... Don't worry, I've just planned this out really well. I've learned it by rote. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. all good. I'm feeling the vibrations in the air. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it turns out, actually, that uh, Devo is hiding back in the fridge again. <laughs> I you... just feel more comfortable in here, you know? <laughs> you know, it's a nice, cool air that mm. comes through. It's just really nice, okay? <laughs> uh, so they fight for a bit. The devil is stabbing his spear through the bed some and... Missing Polnareff by a whisker all the time. In yeah. What I have to assume must just be an intimidation tactic because I, I feel he's like, not moving down yeah, there. I feel like Charles is just toying Aim him. for the centre mass if you want to hit him. Like, he could kill him at any point. He's yeah. shown this. Yeah. He just wants to have a bit of fun. And, like, he bites Silver Chariot's leg, which is reflected on Polnareff's leg. Mm-hmm. He bites him on the shoulder. And I think it's interesting that the way Silver Chariot's body is treated in this because... He's made of metal, ostensibly, or yeah. like ghost metal. Mm. And previously he was wearing armour that made him really tough, if you recall. Oh, yeah. Whereas in this, the when it's being bit, the fle- the the parts of his body sort of contort like flesh. They're spongy. Yeah. Like, really spongy. I don't know if that was actually meant to be because he's biting him somewhere sp- like got, particular. It or... has a lot more give in it than metal would. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost as though a stand reflects the user <laughs> in <Yeah>. every way. <laughs> There's a cool um, tracking shot as they're they're just brawling for a bit Mm -hmm. uh, where the devil smashes two bottles from the minibar and we get a cool shot of like the camera sticks close behind his back as he like runs down between Polnareff's legs and like runs up his arm and jumps over his shoulder and they're just slashing at each other the whole time. Yep. It's pretty cool. Wait, do you mean Silver Chariot? What did I say? Polnareff. Oh yeah. It's like he just runs up Polnareff (laughs) horizontally. (laughs) (laughs) And then eventually... Polnareff sort of loses his temper and he grabs the blanket from the bed and just... Yeah, and then tries to, like, trap him. And then we cut away to Joseph's room. And Joseph and Abdol are just like, hmm, Polnareff's taking a while. Yeah. It's probably fine. I mean, Joshua and Kakuin have just arrived, so that's good, but... It's been much longer than the five-minute time uh, timeline he gave us. Yeah, this is interesting. We we could go check. He's always a joker, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. In all that time, we've known him. Like, two days. He's a bit of a silver chariot. <laughs> I mean, it's his stand name. That's all I know. <laughs> so, yeah, they don't do anything. They just sit there going, hmm. Oh, well, he's probably fine. Mm. He called us. Don't need to call him. Like, he'll, he'll be... He'll come. He'll come to us. Having temporarily immobilised the devil, Polnareff is able to use chariot to snap the spear in half. Ooh. And, you know, for a moment things are looking up But it turns out that inside that blanket The devil still has two razor blades that he uses to cut up his hands Shit And I think at this point he smashes a mirror Just well, for some reason No, f- what happens first is um, The devil, like, climbs onto his shoulder mm-hmm. I think bites him there, there Maybe starts slashing at him some more yep. Polnareff staggers away, swinging wildly And his, his sword just happens to Hit the corner of the mirror that's in the room uh, And it falls uh. down And we get a very quick but important shot of Polnareff noticing those shards. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, They keep fighting for a bit. At one point, the devil is over in the corner of the room and he's like spraying around all the stuff from the minibar. Hmm, that's curious. Yeah. Why would he be doing that? He sits up really straight all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And all this time he's been like sort of 
making this weird laughing, g- giggling noise almost. Almost like Chucky. Mm. And But now here, he like starts doing this more guttural laughter. Mm. Like the original guy, yeah. instead of the puppet. And his head swivels around like something out of The Exorcist or whatever. <laughs> and he speaks, and he speaks with Devo's voice. Ooh. And he's like, hey, Polnareff, I'm going to bite your balls off now, man. Yeah, literally, that is the exact <laughs> phrase. <laughs> It's like, just really casual. Hey, man, just going to bite your balls off. Mm. It's like Fight Club. Like, you know, he said that if you said that, take your balls. What? No, don't do that. I'm in command. He said that you'd say that too. So that's a shame. Palmareff gets himself a moment's um, reprieve (laughs) and uses it to A, cut the rope that had him bound to the bed. Mm -hmm. And B, again, another very quick shot. So you you might miss it if you aren't looking out for it. Yeah. Smashes the rest of the mirror. Ah, well, well, well. Yeah. There you go. How could that be relevant? Well, now that Polnareff is fighting back, Chucky escapes somewhere he can't see, but which we see is the light uh, cord hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, and he's carrying with him... He calls it a sparking hairdryer, I think. I mean, it is but literally it a sparking It is sparking, hairdryer. but also it's shooting fire out from its uh, hairdryer nozzle. Well, yeah, that's how fire works. <laughs> <laughs> he sets it to high, because you... <laughs> From low to high. Yep, as you do. You got that'll make it extra deadly. Yeah. And he's like, "Look, Polnareff, look at all the liquid that I've strewn around. I'm gonna drop this sparking hairdryer in it, and you can't see me, so you can't stop me." And Polnareff is like, "Ooh, okay." The dryer slowly falls, and we get a really cool, sh- like guitar music kicks in. We get a really cool shot of Polnareff looking at his reflection in a mirror shard on the ground, smirking, and then we hear a, a sword noise. And it goes through the hairdryer. Yeah. Up, straight like, up. Up from probably through the bed. I can't remember. But maybe just standing on the bed. Who knows? <laughs> and it's so hype. It goes up through the dryer, through the devil, and then swings him like across a, the room. Like a motherfucker. Yeah, onto the, um, you know, desk or whatever. Yeah. And Polnareff gets himself out from under the bed. He, he points and strikes a pose with Chariot and is like, hey, we meet at last. I'm going to kick your ass now. You said you were going to uh, cut my balls off. But Well, first he explains that oh. he could see where he was because he broke all those mirror shards that gave him a perfect view of above the bed. Of course yes. he did. He outthought him. See, when that happened, I was like, the mirror. Yeah. The mirror. <laughs> so he flings him. He bounces around the room a bit. He lands. Uh, then he starts running. But he doesn't get far because Polnareff cuts off both his legs. <laughs> And then so I just he, love clearly he does have a cutting edge on yeah. the sword. I just love that when he cuts him, uh, like Silver Chariot cuts him, and then all the stuffing comes yeah. out. And you're like, oh, he was stuffed. I thought he was wooden the whole time. So did I. <laughs> but no stuffing. Yeah, there you go. So he's there. He's got no legs. Polnareff's like, fuck you. You were gonna cut my uh, balls off, were you? I mean, fuck you. I'm gonna. Well, again, first they talk oh, about. God. <laughs> I know you keen, it's a cool moment. You keen it's for a it. good moment. But first Polnareff is like, hey, I'm looking for a man with two right arms. Can you tell me anything about his stand? And that guy's like, you idiot. Assassins don't tell each other what their stands are like. They only bring them out when someone's going to die. That way. Only idiots like you keep showing off their stands. Yeah, so then you can't expose each other's secrets, you nimrod. Yeah. Fools. Golly. Have you virtuous Pope is playing at this point. It's oh, cool. Oh, yeah. You love that Virtuous Pope. <laughs> so he says... Oh, yeah. So, so you're going to cut my balls well, I have off, the huh? quote here if you'd oh, like God it. Damn. Okay. okay. He says, Come at me one more time. What's wrong? Didn't you say you were going to bite my balls off or something? Just try it, you vulgar little shit. And then, so as he's good. talking, 
Uh, we, get another, we get another close-up of the doll's mouth as he leaps at him. Mm-hmm. And Polarev exclaims, he's going to slice up everything except your balls. Now... And just cuts the puppets to shreds. I don't know if swing, we swing, can swing, get swing, it swing. Any, <laughs> I don't know if we can gather from any point later. But was that acid, like... Yes. Okay, all right. Because then we cut away to a bathroom as a cleaner is like... Excuse me, sir. You've you've been in there quite a while. Are, are you okay? Are you, you, you all right, sir? Then he opens it somehow. I guess he hadn't locked it. And literally everything but his balls has yeah, been we, cut up. Our first shot is of like a relatively untarnished like upper thigh through lower torso, mm. and then it zooms out to just blood everywhere. <laughs> and his face is just a mess. And it says the uh, caption on the screen says uh, "Soul Sacrifice" or, or "Devo." Yep. Dot, dot, dot. Last moments. <laughs> so good. He's dead. He is fucked to shreds. Now, I alluded in a previous episode to the fact that over the course of this journey, Polnareff has some bathroom trouble. <laughs> okay, yep. And I think there's a fine interpretation where, because of the way Devo's power works, this is like the inciting incident that provokes a lifetime of, of not peaceful poos. <laughs> Okay, so because his curse is there... Yeah, Polar like, F is cursed to always have trouble in bathrooms. <laughs> really? Really? Is I mean, that... it's not, not a literal thing in the story, but I think However. it's a fun interpretation. Oh, no. <laughs> Poor Polar F. At this point, we get our, our cutaway. Standmaster Jean-Pierre Polar F. We didn't get one for the devil, did we? Yeah, we did. Did we? Okay. Yeah, it was the first one. Oh, yeah, I forgot yeah, the yeah, other yeah. one. So, yeah. Except it was just like the puppet and then a giant, like... Oh, yeah, the what the stand actually looks like. Yeah, yeah. Which is sort of insectoid, almost, I thought. I didn't... I couldn't even figure it out, man. Okay. Like, it was just a giant white ball. Some time has passed when we cut back. Mm-hmm. Polnareff is in the police station. And the detective is like, Hey, you need to talk to me. Oh, wait. We missed the bit where he shows up in the hotel room. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, he shows up in the hotel room, clearly covered in wounds. Completely fucked. He's, his hair is dishevelled, he's breathing heavily, he's bleeding, bleeding from the face. Leaning on the door. So and Joseph is like, oh good, Polnareff is here. Let's all strategize about how we can deal with Devo. And then he's like, oh. I'm so tired. And just collapses. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, Joseph Joster. Poor old Polnareff. So yes, anyway. um, You will tell us the things. Polnareff is in the police station. The detective is like, a dead boy was found in your room. And also another really messed up dead body in the toilet. Are they connected? Are you responsible? I think so. And then... It'd uh, be good if it was the same police officer from the littering thing earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Just they're like, I know you. I knew... Once a criminal, always a criminal. Always littering. This time with Men human like bodies. you can never change. <laughs> So begins the greatest musical to ever hit JoJo's Bizarre World. And then a Speedwagon Foundation lawyer comes in and basically smooths the whole thing over. Hey, he wasn't the murderer. No one was the murderer. What is death, really? When you think about it, it's like, well, it's when someone dies. But is that here? I mean, did he really die? All right, just both of you fuck off. We're done here. (laughs) Case closed. You thought you could take me down, but all while I had the best lawyer in the world. With all the money in the world. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the hotel room, Abdul and Joseph are like, man, that was terrible. <laughs> that was an amateur mistake. As long as Dio's connected to us through Jonathan Joestar's body, he can keep detecting where we are and what's going on and 
and sending Stan users after us, but we can also see what's going on with him. Abdul then goes, I'll go buy a Polaroid camera. And Joseph's like, oh no, you don't need to do that. Don't worry, don't worry. Turns out I didn't need to smash Polaroid cameras all the time. That was the weirdest part (laughs) of all. It's funny that they can... Obviously, within the fiction, this would be something Dio was doing almost deliberately, Mm. and also just as a side effect of being a vampire. Mm. But prior to now, at least, every time they've tried to check out Dio, all they've been able to get is him in a dark room. Yeah. Which is great. So it's, you know, they can see what he's up to too, but it's almost always reading shirtless or staring into a mirror. <laughs> or banging sweet babes. True. And then sucking their blood. There's always a cost. Always yep. a cost. So he's like, don't worry, I don't need a Polaroid camera. I can do it with the TV. I'm going to get audio that will help us. And so he puts his hands on the side of the TV, which is a CRT TV, might I add. Very 80s. All right. Uh, and he starts like... Changing channels without having to change. And the, the thorns channel. come out. Yep, and the thorns come out. Oh, he's changed his outfit again too. I, I was talking. Yeah, about you that. were animate that he changed his outfit again. You were like, he's changed his outfit. I just couldn't remember this happening at all. He's now wearing like a pink shirt with a big popped collar and a blue and white singlet, like striped. the sailors. but yeah. not what he was wearing. Maybe he took it from like one of their backpacks. <laughs> Ah, yes, they're dead. They won't be needing this really fashionable mm. colour. So I prefer this. Let's try that. Just no one else changes their clothing. <laughs> Why not? Give it time. I'm sure someone will. I don't think so. Okay, all right. I mean, maybe Polnareff will one day, but not yet. No, he doesn't. Uh, all right. So all anyway, these, all these channels are changing <laughs> yeah. without needing to be changed. We see, like, sports casting. We see mm-hmm. some music videos. We see a really weird cartoon of, like, yeah. a wolf wanting to eat a little girl who's holding an axe or something. Like, I swear that, um, what's his, the author's name again? Araki. Araki would have gone to Singapore, seen that show, and just gone, well, now I know what to put in there. According to Jojo Wiki, one of the TV shots we get a quick blip of, too, is also um, Gorgeous Irene, one of Araki's previous properties. Oh. Ah, there you go. Mm. And you thought part of it was The Godfather. Yeah, but I'm, I'm probably reneging on that now. Okay, all right. Where there's a guy who looks a bit like Marlon Brando being like... Where is Michael? Michael was supposed to be here. And then it just quickly cuts away. There's a Michael Corleone, isn't there? I don't know. Fact check time. I've never seen The Godfather, so I... Pretty good, kind of long. Yeah, there's a Michael Corleone. I reckon that was The Godfather. Okay, alright. What year did The Godfather come out? 1980-something? 1972. Ooh, so it could have been a reference. Hmm. Who knows? Anywho, the channels keep flicking faster and faster and faster, and we get snaps of audio from each of them, which excruciatingly slowly <laughs> spell out the phrase um, one of you is a traitor or beware the traitor or something like that there is a traitor among us Kakuin, beware of him Dio's servant <gasps> I knew he was a dick and they're all like what? and then in almost what felt like another sort of allusion to the ring, I don't know when the ring came out in Japan but mm-hmm. um, it, it, it felt like that to me yeah. where the camera cuts to Dio and Dio looks at them and like oh no he can see us and he's like Joseph Joestar you motherfucker and then he points into the camera screen and the TV explodes it's it's pretty dope. Yeah. Does Dio say anything apart from Joseph Joestar? Because I think he's like... Oh, Joseph Joestar, you. you're watching, aren't you? Oh. It's just like, I can see And you. he's doing his over-the-shoulder so you can see his star birthmark pose. He just had to do that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. The son of a bitch. Joseph Joestar. Joseph Aru. That's my Dio. Joestar. I will kill you! Yeah. It's <laughs> good shit. And then that's... Uh... So yeah, they're like, what? Kakuin's Dio's servant? Again? What? How is this possible? 
And then we get a shot of Jotaro, Kakuin, and... Anne. Anne. Walking. Walking on the beach. Kakuin's a few paces behind them. <laughs> I love the shot where, like, the two of them are there, fine, and then Anne's in front, and they're like, ah, what a lovely day. And then it, like, goes from the front, and slowly pans down, and then Kakuin is suddenly just ominous yeah. black eyes. Dead stare, menacing kanji. And you're like, oh no. End of episode. Next episode. To be continued. Dun, 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 dun. No, no ending sequence this time because yeah. they went a little long. And so they uh, just put the credits in with everything else. What, yeah, the yeah. Hell? what the hell, guys? So, time for our highlights and lowlights segment. Nick, highlights? I mean, Chucky was amazing. <laughs> or Charles, sorry. Charles was amazing. I'm just trying to think of the best bit of that. Uh, probably the do not disturb bit. That was pretty good. Where just like, it's so... You see it coming from a mile away, but then it happens, you're like, yeah, boy. <laughs> For my money, I will take uh, just the moment when Polnareff turns the tables and he suddenly becomes all cocky and self-assured and it's just a really cool moment. Just the arrogant Polnareff comes out yet again. You're like, ah, good old Polnareff. (laughs) Lowlights. Ooh. Tricky. Not a lot in this episode I don't like. Yeah. I just want to say the censoring of the gore because that's really annoying. That is what it is. Yeah, it's annoying. But I can't really say that. Actually, you know what? The last bit where they're doing like the channel swaps... Yeah. It's like, yep, come on. Come on, get on with it. Because it just takes forever to get to that point. That's fair. And you're just like, okay, yep, there's a, there's a trait, there's a tray taught there. They do go. very slowly spell it out. Ugh, it's annoying. Also, no uh, Kakuin facts. No, we, haven't, we don't know anything about Singapore. How am I supposed to know where we are if I have no context? Maybe we'll get some next time. Oh, God, I hope we do. Assuming he doesn't backstab us first. <laughs> Kakuin oh. Jotaro's on the ground... And in his last moments, Kakuin's holding a gun in front of his face. And he's like, Jotaro, didn't you know? In Singapore, guns are legal. <laughs> I don't know if they are, but that's the joke. Low lights for you? Yeah, hard, hard to say, hard to say. The low light was the fact that we couldn't pick a low light. <laughs> <laughs> the real low lights were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> to be fair, at this point, they are pretty low life. I think I will go with um, just the, the repeated cutaways to the other guys being like, huh, Polnareff's taking a while. You're just like, just go there. I think they do it maybe one too many times. Yeah. In the sense they do it twice. Two or three times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Makes but sense. But that is obviously me quite reaching because I yeah. think those are quite funny in their own right. They're just like, oh, yeah, you're finally here. Oh, well. Performing for you. If you know the words, you can join in too. Put your hands together if you want to clap as we take you through this monkey rap. DK. Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong. DK. Donkey Kong. He's the leader of the bunch. You know him well. He's finally here to kick some tail. Something, something, something. His coconut gun (laughs) can fire in spurts. This is the same problem we had last week. It's gonna hurt. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) That's literally in the B-roll is just, yep, why did we do this? <laughs> no, that, that's all going in. Oh, that's shit. all going in the episode. Nick, I want to ask you. Go on. What do you think is going to happen uh-huh. next time on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure uh-huh. Part 3, Stardust uh-huh. Crusaders? Yep. More specifically, uh-huh. in the episode uh-huh. entitled yep. Yellow Temperance. Oh, Yellow Temperance. Uh, okay. Yellow Temperance. Well, it's definitely not Kakuin now, is it? It's another stand user. So, Yellow... T- what if Yellow Temperance is kind of like a puppet master who has influence over people? Okay, so 
The traitor is Kakuin. It's because... almost like another flashbud situation. Yeah, sort of. Except he has to be within a certain range. <laughs> And there could be cool moments where like, he gets outside that range and Kakyoin is like, oh, no guys, I'm, I'm being... And then he gets back in range. Exactly. And, you know. Exactly. Maybe that. Maybe something to do with sand. Sand is always a big one. Yeah. Ye- sand. Yellow. Yeah. It's coarse. It's rough. It gets everywhere. Not like you. <laughs> no, I think it's probably going to be the guys are going to check out if Kakyoin is actually a traitor, but I don't know how they're going to do it because they're probably not just going to hold him down and be like, are you a traitor? So, psh, 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 yeah. Psh. I figure maybe it's Dio trying to play some weird trick. Oh, oh no, hang on. Yellow Temperance is a shapeshifter. Ooh. Yeah. So, Kakuin that they know right now is tied up in a hotel room somewhere. <laughs> to the underside of his bed. Yeah. Uh, oh, but, hmm. but then when would they have had a chance to do that? There was a time break between... There was. The, with there the police was. station and everything. Yeah, I suppose. But Jotaro probably didn't let him out of his sight. It was probably just like... I, I don't... Unless he just didn't notice. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, don't necessarily think that they were really sticking together yeah, at the time. True, true. So yeah, maybe he's like tied up under the bed or tied up in like a closet somewhere. Um, and now the traitor is actually Yellow Temperance, who's a shapeshifter. Interesting, interesting. And so then uh, he can only go so far outside of range before... Oh, it's like a sort of... Um... It's like his stand is the shapeshifting thing. Am I going to say... Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So, he, like, his stand, let's say it's, like, made of clay. It's it, it's a clay face. Exactly. Exactly. I thought you meant, like, um, he... W- there are these guys in Doctor Who called Rutans, I think. Okay. Who are shapeshifters, but at least initially they have to kidnap you and hide you in pods to assume your form. Okay. So, like, this guy would have kidnapped Kakuin and would be, like, keeping him in his stand so that he could take his form. That would be great. But he can only go so within so much range yeah. of it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. There has to be like some kind of range, probably. Uh, and it would be within the hotel. It's like, why don't we go this way? Hang on, guys. Why don't we get some coke? <laughs> hey, did you know this cool fact that Singapore is located below Japan? <laughs> Boy, I am truly Kakuine. That is a cool fact. Jotaro slams a pen into his coke and shotguns it. <laughs> Man, what a day. It's weird they can show shot- Jotaro shotgunning a beer but not smoking. Huh. Never actually thought about that. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those things where, uh, you know, they hate things going to waste more than they hate people smoking. So it's like, oh no, the beer will go to waste if someone doesn't drink it. Quick, Jotaro. <laughs> but at the same time, maybe it's just that one loophole mm. in the system. Anyway, uh, solid predictions, I think. Yeah, so shapeshifter of some kind. I'm going to be so wrong, aren't I? We'll find out Ooh. next time on Jojo's World got a handful of uh, listener correspondence uh, in the inbox at the moment, though I think most of it we have at the moment is more appropriate for written email responses, so I will be responding to those in the next couple of days. Do I get any questions? If you do, I'll pass them on to you. Yes. Wait, do you, oh, I thought, do you mean, do you have any questions for me? Oh, I mean, I might. Lay it on me, bro. Okay, cool. Question one. Do I have any questions from listener correspondence? <laughs> we'll find out later. Shit. That, that was all my questions. <laughs> Let's find out if we have any new iTunes reviews in the segment we call iTunes Reviews. Okay, I'm going to need you to get a touch more hype for iTunes Reviews. Shout out to TYVN2 for their five-star review that they give us and their very kind words praising Nick's enthusiasm. I like that enthusiastic. They say your enthusiasm is very pure and the best. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, look. Yeah, all right, I'll take that. Thank you for helping new people find us and grow the show. Thank you for calling me pure. I've been watching Terrace House Boys and Girls in the City lately. 
what in the world? That's is... that Japanese reality show. With... Oh, oh yeah. right, yeah, yeah. And because obviously one of the things they do in the show is date, mm. and they talk about like the archetypes. They 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 ask people what's their type, and yeah. there are like very distinct archetypes they they evoke when they respond. Like they'll say, "What what's your type?" And then I'll respond, "Pure." And everyone knows what that means. What? Or, or Genki, which apparently means like energetic or sporty. Oh, okay. That's so it's just weird. Like there's this sort of cultural classification of the sort of people you're into. Uh, yeah, I suppose though, if if you're in Japan, things do... Like, I, I don't to, know if yeah. we have any... Obviously, it's more easy to identify these things when you're looking in from outside. Yeah. But I can't really think of anything that codified when it comes to especially dating and our... Oh, you like know. you might say, oh, I'm like I'm into arty guys or yeah. sporty guys, but I like jocks. the fact that there's, there's just oh yeah, jocks, yeah. Um, nerds, maybe fun loving because everyone knows that one person that doesn't like fun, right? Sure, but that's t- <laughs> 420 friendly, no drama, <laughs> love good times, hate bad times, love good people. I'm really looking out for that one troll who gets me. Anyway, I don't really know why I brought that up. It just sort of struck me as interesting. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. Like, we've got Kieran, who's living in Japan right now, and apparently mm-hmm. he's heard, uh, like, there's a lot more rumours that are, like, way more solid in Japan than they are here in, like, Australia. Do you mean, like, urban legends or no, like no, gossip? No. Yeah, like, no, no, not even that. Like, when someone says, ah, yes, you know, women will marry you and then divorce you for this exact reason, and everyone just goes, very true, that does happen. Sort of like... It um, is known. You're like, what? Folk wisdom. Yeah, like, one of the things is women are always very eager to get with men, and then immediately just stop caring. And every Japanese man is like, these are true facts. This is the way that it is. And then Japanese women are like, these are true facts. This is the way that it is. <laughs> and you're like, what? Is that... Are you all, f- like, fulfilling this self-fulfilling prophecy or something? Or am I missing something here? I don't know. I... Am I a filthy gaijin? It's tricky to pass too much judgment on these sort of cultural things, yeah. I think. Because obviously, there's probably a fair bit of nuance, that, especially since we're just hearing... I'm just hearing what you, what Kieran's told you, what you're telling me. You There's probably a fair right. amount of nuance being lost in that game of telephone. <laughs> Look, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, let's wrap things up. All right. Uh, if you want to correspond with us, you can reach us at JoJo's Podcast on Twitter or JoJo's Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and we would appreciate it if you could tell a friend about the show. It is Tripod Month. Tripod which, Month. T-R-Y-P-O-D, I think it is, which is an initiative <laughs> someone in the US whose name escapes me at the moment started. But it's March is like podcasting month. Tell people about podcasts. Oh. The statistic was something like 80% of Americans have never listened to a podcast. Shit. That's impressive. Yeah. So grow the medium, guys. Don't even You don't even have to tell someone about us. Tell someone about a podcast. Hey, what's your favorite podcast? At the moment, probably the Flophouse. Or maybe a campaign. I'm not going to lie. Campaign is probably the best podcast. But I, I, I'm not really a guy who like picks favourites a lot. You know, oh, I like... Don't give me that shit. I like My Brother and My Brother and Me. I like Stop Podcasting Yourself. I like uh, Retail Nightmares. Pick a side. Come on. <laughs> Which one will so, you... There's a lot of good podcasts out there and I consume them all vociferously. Ooh. Solid usage. Until next time. To, to be, be continued. continued.